Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome TTB community. I am Elliot Shibley, and here with me as always is the imperturbable Robert Domena. Imperturbable. Yeah. Uh, please define. Well, you know, perturbed. Yes. That's the, that's the root. Yes. Uh, not okay. easily yeah. panicked or upset. Hmm. Hmm. I, I've never, I know you can get stressed out, but hmm. I know that you're able to control it and you don't really have like a knee jerk freak out. You're not like, oh my God, I can't do this. Right. That's to me, no. that's imperturbable. It's not, it's not, it's not, I can't do this. It's how can I do this exactly. today? <laughs> there you go. Right, right. All right. So, so this is our, <laughs> this is our travel bites and we've got some interesting things that have happened in the past month. Uh, Bob's going to go through his update on traveling back from or to Italy and back. And then we're going to talk about woolly mammoths. We're going to talk a little bit about COVID sniffing dogs. We're going to talk about space. We're going to talk about electric planes. We're going to talk about hypersonic planes. We're going to talk about new travel restrictions coming back into the U.S. that'll take place in November. And then we're going to talk about rental cars and a fun article about a violin. And you're asking, how does that relate to travel? You'll find out. Yeah. So before we get into this incredible discussion today, it would be amazing if you could just take one moment, pause the podcast, take out your phone and just give us a five star review wherever you're listening to this. And, and you always ask, ask for the time. five star. Give us whatever you think we deserve. You're right. You're five right. Stars. Yeah. <laughs> but so so the way these reviews work, the better they are when when publicists or other travel people uh, are looking for podcasts to promote their platforms, they go to the podcast with the most ratings and that and best. We, and the best ratings. So the, the, the higher our ratings, the better the guests we get, the better uh, conversations we have. And so if you have the time to do that, if you have a minute to take that, take your phone out and give us a review, it would be uh, greatly appreciated. Um, travel tip of the week today. So, and this is, I, 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 can, I might just be able to roll this into the, I won't, I guess maybe I can elaborate on my own personal <laughs> COVID-19 travel experiences, but uh, very quickly check, double check, triple check, and then check the day before you leave because testing requirements change. One minute you could enter a country or think you're going to enter a country and all you need is a rapid test. And then the following day, they change it to a PCR test. And so you, you might think you needed 72 hours before, but then they change it to 48 hours before. So check meticulously. And the best way, I think, is to go to the airline that you're flying out with. And on their website, they tend to compile either information in like a blog type format or links where you can then get additional information, whether it's apps to store your information or things like that. So Double check, triple check, make sure that you know what you're doing up to the minute of departure. Highly recommend you do that if you plan on traveling during these crazy COVID times. Yeah. And it seems like the best plan is to just be fully vaccinated and get a PCR test anyway. That's foolproof. That seems to be the foolproof thing. If you're fully vaccinated and can do the PCR 48 hours before you leave, I don't think you're going to have any issues um, traveling pretty much anywhere. Now, I should put like a little asterisk there. Let's do a, an audio asterisk. I'm, you know, obviously things change, but that tends to be the safest way to make sure you can continue on your way. And should we run through the promotions really quick? We, we have a video tutorial 
we have a journal slash planner, both on the website. If you are planning a trip, you can purchase the very cheap travel planner journal. You, you download it. You can print it or fill it out on your computer and you could do it for every trip. Once you buy it, you have it forever and you could, it, it acts as a guide to help you organize the information for your trip. We use them when we travel. It's just, it, it makes sure you cover everything you need. There's some tips in there. I personally, I, I helped create it obviously. And it's something that I use when I, when I travel. So um, I highly recommend it. I'm a very organized and detailed travel planner as uh, listeners of the show will know. Oh, yes. The video, the video uh, is, is something that Ellie and I created where we just uh, on an audio level and a, and a video level speak through how to plan your trip, urban navigation, uh, itinerary layout, safety, local norms, booking airfare, doing restaurant research, that whole stuff. So again, that's just, you purchase that, you have it, you can go back to it. It's broken into five parts. Um, and let us know what you think if you decide to go and purchase those things. I think that's it for this month. I think I'm going to yeah. stop talking. Let's just jump well, into the and podcast. Then, and then we'll talk about, I will have a, a word from our sponsor as well. Correct, correct. Support for the Traveler's Blueprint is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. God, I love that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, which is right here. This is the Lawnmower 4.0, and you did hear that right, is the 4.0. Join over 2 million men, including Bob and myself, worldwide, who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer for you, which is 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TTB at manscaped.com. So preparing for this, one term came to my mind, and that was nether regions. And it, it sort of set me down this wormhole of the word. I was curious, you know, as a travel podcast, as a podcast that uh, focuses on culture and geography, I was curious to know whether or not nether regions was related to the Netherlands, the country. Is, is it? So no, not really. So they, they oh, share the prefix. Right. They, they share the word nether, which refers to a region at its lowest or furthest point or part, furthest part of a place, okay. especially with the allusion to hell or the underworld. Now, removing that second part or, or not thinking about it right now, you kind of understand how the Netherlands came to be because they are at the, they're at topographically at a low point right near a, the Rhine River Basin. And now relating to the nether regions, it's a low point, I guess, of the body. And so there you go. You have some interesting information. All right. Well, um, thank you for that insight, Bob. Yeah. And, you know, we've traveled together and I've always thought I was a pretty hairy person and Amanda can vouch for me. Uh, but in our time traveling together, I've learned that you probably are hairier than I am. And what is it like with this? I mean, I know I've loved it. I mean, it's got the light. It's got the ceramic blade. It just makes things so much easier. <laughs> so, so thanks for noticing my hairiness. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, I, but I've, I've been a hairy guy for a long time since, you know, my, my teenage years. I, I grew hair pretty quickly. And since that time, I've been trying to figure out ways to keep it in check. I, I shave my chest, my back, my head, my beard, <laughs> like everywhere, you know. I, I, I like to keep it clean and Manscaped sent us this and it's perfect. It's lightweight. The charge lasts forever. The light. The light is one of my favorite aspects of this tool because Agreed. I've been shaving for a long time and I've never had a light attached to the buzzer itself. So when you're shaving and you have this spotlight shining on you, you can actually see the differences. In, yeah, it makes it so much easier. It's such an incredible idea to add a light. And simple. Um, and then again, as a traveler, it's perfect. You can throw it in your bag. 
the, the thing itself charges and lasts for a while, but then the wireless charging port is also charged and you can then use along your trips, um, making it for a pretty extended period of time where you don't have to worry about finding an outlet, which as a traveler, we know it doesn't always come around as often as we like. And speaking of traveling, this has a travel lock on it, so you can actually prevent it from turning on while you're traveling, especially if you're throwing your bag around into an overhead compartment, onto a bus or That's a big. trunk. That's big, yeah. yeah. Huge, mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, I, because how often, I, I I can't think of any specific items, but you, you shove some your bag in somewhere just to get it on the plane like or the toothbrush, old and trimmers, yeah, you turn your, all exactly, that stuff. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You hear it going, like, ah, yeah, exactly. So th- that seems to uh, be avoidable now with this this new 4.0, the Walmart 4.0. So again, you can get 20% off and free shipping by using code TTB at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TTB. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for your family jewels with Manscaped. Your Your balls balls will thank thank you. you. (laughs) Which is happening right now. All right. First article, or no, very quickly. I feel like I'm talking a lot here, but I guess that's that's what you do as a podcast host, right? So um, the COVID experience I had, not with the virus, but the logistics behind traveling, um, was a lot harder than it it actually was when you're when you're begin to travel. So to get into Italy, we had to fill out an EU locator form. So that's the first thing. You have to have been tested um, at least seventy two hours before your trip. And now this may have well, I changed. Think it's, I think to it's get into Italy seventy two. I forget what the there's a range. I think it's within seventy two hours, not at Correct. least seventy two hours. Within seventy two hours, and you yeah. have to be vaccinated to get into Italy. Yep. Um, now you do, I think just like two weeks ago, you didn't, or three weeks ago, you didn't. Um, and then once you're there, a lot of places asked, asked for the green pass, which translates to the CDC card that we get. So a green pass is something only Europeans get, uh, or only Italians get, but the CDC card stands in for that. We were asked multiple times throughout our trip to show it. Sometimes in restaurants, not all restaurants really did it, but anytime we went to any major attraction, so the Coliseum, the Vatican, Pompeii, you have to show your your CDC card. Um, And that was really it. Uh, Masks are are required in some instances. Outdoors, not really. No one's really wearing them. Indoors, obviously, yes, um, for pretty much everywhere other than when you're seated at a restaurant. So the actual, once I was there, the experience with COVID wasn't really any different than what I've experienced in Philadelphia or in my hometown. Like some people are wearing them. Some people aren't. It depends on your personal risk tolerance. And, but it was easy and it was enjoyable. Um, as long as you're willing to put up with these minor inconveniences of having to like take out your CDC card every once in a while, there's really, there were really no issues. And honestly, there was way less people traveling because of the additional logistics that as a deterrent that it was it was super easy and we had a great time and what about on the way back then you have a little hiccup yeah yeah so on the way back and i still didn't look into whether or not this was changed or i just it was an oversight on my part so on the way back so i i purchased covid19 tests rapid tests and packed them in my bag and then 48 hours before we flew home my wife and i each opened up the laptop and on via uh, you know video conference, had the doctor look at our test. It was scanned in with the QR code. They watched us do the nose swab um, and put it in the little the the testing fluid. And I'm sure that's not the technical term. And you wait 15 minutes and you get your results. 
with a little bar and like kind of like a pregnancy test and they see it and that's it. And then they send you the QR code for with your negative results or positive results, I guess. So my wife and I both tested negative, but we did not test my toddler because she was three. She's three. So the did you think thi- testing was only for people over a certain age, like six, it was six. Yeah, it was six. Okay. So to go to Italy was six. And, and as far as I knew, six was the cutoff for We're coming for back. That. So we get to the airport and we get up to check in, check our bag. And we were told by the airport, the air, the, the woman at the, at the desk that anybody under two, or it was only two and under that need, that did not need a test Two and older needed a test, needed a rapid test. And so we had to, we had to leave the line, go back down, get her tested, wait in line to get her tested, fill out documents in Italian. It was actually, it wasn't the most organized experience, um, especially with a toddler having to Probably wait a little in line. bit stressful. It was a little bit stressful. My wife is uh, so cool, calm and class because I, you know, I felt like it was on yeah, my- Marlia seems like she is also imperturbable. Oh, she way more than I am. I mean, cause I, <laughs> it was, it was my responsibility. I'm the one that planned the trip and looked into everything. And then- we were in line and I was apologizing and I was like, I'm sorry. And I was angry. And she just said, listen, there's nothing we can do about it now. Let's just sit in line and get tested and let's go back on the airplane. And I said, you're right. You're right. Let's do it. And, and so back. She, and, and I'm back. And so that was it. Um, and we can get into more detail when we actually do the Italy episode as well. Yeah. We're going to break down Rome, which is going to be a lot of fun. So yeah. let's move on. Yeah. First article, Woolly Mammoth Resurrection Project. It has received a $15 million donation to help boost the project. And this is, the article goes into talking about how people think, you know, space is the next tourism frontier. And this article kind of teases that maybe it's uh, the past that'll actually be the next frontier. So are you a yay or nay on this? I honestly, I'm, I'm a little conflicted. I don't really have an opinion either way. I think it would be absolutely incredible to have woolly mammoths back in Siberia. And that would be an incredible experience to see them. I don't know what the environmental impact is. Like there's, there's an argument in here that the woolly mammoths will be great to have back in Siberia for the reason that they're uh, good for the environment. They do different things similar to how elephants are beneficial in Africa. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen all the data and I don't know. There's obviously going to be some things that we just don't know what we don't know. Yeah. Well, and I do want to say, um, for any, for anybody listening, like I, we have not done deep dives on this, on the research that they're doing. And so forgive me if I, I misspeak here, but we should have multiple ecological evaluations done by different um, companies by different institutions, third party nonprofit. Exactly. And yep. and then we should compare the data. Um, but looking at it at face value. Yeah. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's an incredible idea. And again, at face value, I don't see a woolly mammoth as, you know, um, maybe not the first thing any- we should do. You don't maybe, think it's the first thing? No, maybe, no. Maybe we should do like a like an a ant. shrew, a shrew <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, something a little bit smaller with less with less impact. But um, and obviously, I don't really know much about the the lives of woolly mammoths, what they ate, and how they migrated. And just yeah. I, <laughs> it's just it's so interesting. I love that we're at this point in time, and 
Um, the fact yeah. that it's a possibility, it's, it's so Jurassic Park-esque. Well, that's, and that's the question I was going to actually bring up next. Is this to release them into the wild or is it going, is it to contain them in a park type situation? I would imagine and kind of hope that they would create some sort of reserve and study them for several years in the reserve before then releasing, releasing them yeah. throughout Siberia. Right. So um, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep it updated and we'll be certainly following along as this progresses but i think this is still of many years away yeah and i think it's inevitable i think that once you have the technology to contain it um genetic someone's know, gonna genetic technology is evolving so evolving so rapid like the crispr technology yep. and if, if you're listening definitely look into that it's it's mind-boggling um life uh, finds a way <laughs> okay jeff <laughs> what's our second article here all right. So COVID sniffing dogs are now at Miami airport. They're being utilized by American airlines. I, I believe they're at their security checkpoint. We have a Dutch shepherd and a Belgian, oh man. Malinois. There we go. Thank Mal- you. Malinois. Uh, Malinois. Yeah. Some French breed or Belgian breed, I guess. I don't know. I think um, German. German. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> essentially they can detect VOCs. Those are volatile organic compounds that are emitted via your breath. And when you excrete certain VOCs, the dogs have the capability to sniff out if you have, uh, I think, the the COVID proteins attached to it. And boom, um, no flying for you. This is like a weird thing. I mean, I already see the United States having an issue with this. Right. Like, you know, the the country of of individuality and, and freedom versus like, you know, with everything else that we're seeing, the arguments going back and forth. Um, curious to see how this one plays out. But I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, it seems like the dogs are extremely adept at sensing it. Like there's they rarely miss any and they rarely, uh, you know, sniff one out that someone doesn't actually have COVID. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't make you they don't tell you you can't fly if the dog sniffs you out they that you then have to go get a test and if you test positive then they'll take care of it and you know they'll take care of you they'll shoot you in the back of the room now um they'll, tell you, <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll make you go home i'm sure um but it isn't like that the dog sniffing you out is like this say all there actually is a testing yeah. procedure after that and and then they'll decide so. yep and it, i think the dogs are are fairly not not i wouldn't say easy to train but i think there's like a 30-day period that that's all it takes for them to really understand the uh, the covid scent and how to sniff it out yeah here's another little side tangent that i'm not going to get into i'm just going to throw out a recommendation youtube how dogs noses work fascinating <laughs> fascinating. You know i'm gonna do that now dude it, it is it is really fascinating those I mean, noses are incredible their noses are a lot longer so i imagine there's a lot more sensors in there well, then the, the breath, instead of coming oh. in and out the nostril, it, there's, it, come, it comes in the nostril and like out the side. So there's no, it's a steady stream. It doesn't come in and out. It like comes through like a tunnel. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. That's really cool. Now I have to look. Now <laughs> yeah, I have look, to know more. Look it up. All right. Next one. Inspiration four. Uh, I'm assuming everybody has heard of the. And maybe not everybody. Well, I mean, okay. I, did, yeah. I was I was traveling when this happened. I didn't learn about it until after the fact. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, well, I shouldn't say that. We, I, The people I was traveling with, both of them were PAs and a physician assistant or now physician associate. And it was very exciting because a physician assistant was one of the four people to go into space. And she was only yeah. 29. Yeah. Kind of crazy. 
I mean, the fact that this happened, I feel like it should have gotten more coverage. And I guess it's just the chaos of the world, uh, the chaos that we have going on in the United States at the moment. Like, this is major news. We sent four people, civilians, non-astronauts into into orbit for three days. I I, I mean, my dad always loved outer space. He grew up, you know, during the, the, the moon land, you know, the seventies when it was, it was everything. And so he kind of, you know, uh, influenced my interest in outer space. And this is like, this is massive. And I feel like no one's really talking about it that much. We had Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson go up, but if you have been paying attention, like what they did is, is minute compared to this. Yeah, They went up with trained astronauts, I believe. And all they did was they went up to the outer, um, Outer limits of the atmosphere. Right. They sat for about 10 minutes and they came back down. That was it. Elon Musk sent four people into orbit for three days. It's fascinating to me. And it is such a huge leap in what um, I think w- what we're capable of. And really, 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 really looking forward to, to yeah, how they this were, evolves. Right. They were 366 miles above the Earth, which is higher than the ISS and higher than the Hubble Space Telescope. And they were orbiting at a speed of 17,000 miles per hour, which if you're good at math and can do that really quickly, that equates to about 90 minutes around the earth. I think these, the four of these four people will be making great for a great travel around table discussion, huh? Yeah. yeah. No, (laughs) no issue getting them on. (laughs) Might have to send some emails out. Um, Fascinating. Um, So tons of videos of this online. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and just to just to give you an update, the the thin blue line, which is the Kármán line, is sixty two miles above the edge of the Earth, or so above the Earth, and that's where Bezos and Branson went. Yep. Right. 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 <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right, Ali, and this one's this one's all you. This next. Yeah. One. I mean, we two, we actually. always do this. I'm I'm really excited about electric vehicles, whether that is just electric transportation in general. So whether that's a car or a boat, and in this case, a, yet again, a, an electric aircraft. And I think that is the next step in aviation. Like that's the next big transformation. And so this is Rolls Royce. They have completed a 15 minute voyage and they're going to be one of the fastest electric planes and going 300 miles an hour. It's got a 400 kilowatt, which is 500 plus horsepower. It's just, it's so awesome. I can't wait for this to, you know, be fully available to everyone and not just in these small passenger planes, but for big aircraft. But I still, I think we're a long ways away before that happens. I think battery technology needs to greatly improve. But that's not to say we can't have local airports flying these 15-seaters. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It, it. Again, we keep, we these articles keep popping up. Um just yeah. waiting for it to happen, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, on a similar note, um, <laughs> next article is... We talked about the supersonic planes a few months ago, and now we're talking about hypersonic. And boom, again, uh, tested its XB1, and it's already sold, pre-sold 15 of them, and they're 30-seaters, but it can go at a Mach speed of 5.5, which is 4,200 miles per hour. Again, this is only allowed to go over ocean because of the sonic boom that occurs, but even with the sonic boom, I've heard uh, research and aeronautics are looking at a way to 
eliminate the sonic boom after breaking the sound barrier? I, I can't even begin to understand how you can do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, the, I don't get it. It's something that actually makes sense to me with when you get into this, all these, this, this talk about these, this technology that I don't really understand is that this would take less than an hour to get to New York City from London. I mean, that's something that I can, I can understand and it sounds amazing. Yeah. That's so- yeah, that's hard to imagine getting on an airplane and not even taking 60 minutes to get to London. That will be revolutionary, um, like almost as revolutionary as the airplane itself. Right. That's, a, a, again, like combined with, I mean, this is not an electric aircraft by any means because that would require, a, it requires an immense amount of energy and power to reach those speeds. And they actually use a two-engine system, it seems. Um, one is a traditional turbine-based combined cycle which helps get it into the air. And then there is a scramjet or ramjet engine that produces more power, but it requires more air inflow. So it already has to be flying to engage those engines. Yeah. Like, but I, Amanda, I told Amanda about this and she was like, uh, so how fast do you reach that speed? Like, are you going from zero to 4,200 miles per hour in five minutes or 30 seconds? Yeah. What is the answer to that? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. All right. Back to COVID. So new travel restrictions uh, will require COVID. unvaccinated Americans to face, face additional testing. And honestly, I if if you're unvaccinated, um, you have to be willing to put up with a lot of this crap, like just a lot of roadblocks. Yeah. To travel like they, they to me, it seems like it would be way easier just to get vaccinated. Yes, I agree. It's going to be incredibly difficult, not only to get on the airplane and travel to the country, but to eat dinner sometimes, depending on the country and like do anything, go into museums. So, ah, man. Yeah. Like I, it says unvaccinated Americans flying back to the United States will be subject to stricter reentry testing requirements starting in November. Um, and specifically, all foreign nationals traveling to the U.S. will need to show proof of full vaccination before before boarding a flight to come to the United States. All travelers, including fully vaccinated American citizens, will be required to show results of a negative COVID test taken within three days of departure to the U.S. Yeah, I mean, mm, a lot of extra work if you're not vaccinated. So it might be hard to travel right now. Um, yeah, tra- travel is already, I mean, Bob's talked about it with Italy. We're dealing with it when for Morocco, but there's a lot of coordination, even if you are vaccinated to get the tests to mm-hmm. travel. Mm-hmm. All right. Next? Um, this is, this is one that I found really interesting and I've had some personal experience with as I helped my sister and her boyfriend plan a trip recently. Well, they, they're planning it for a week or two from now. They're going to the Grand Canyon. So uh, you should book a rental car now. Uh, like if you have any trip planned over the course of the fall or winter, like, Book your rent. Booking your rental car should be one of the first things that you do. So, Kayak released new data showing that rental car searches and prices for the holiday season, defined as November twelfth to January seventh, are up compared to twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. So, really, the, yeah, they're they up increased two, from twenty nineteen. Wow, up two hundred and thirty percent compared to twenty nineteen, and up two hundred and forty three set percent compared to twenty twenty. Um, and they're coming with higher prices. So the average cost per day is up 75% compared to 2019 and up 66% compared to 2020. Wow. It is super difficult to get a rental car 
right now. There is just no stock available. Well, yeah, right. Didn't didn't a lot of like big rental car agencies sell some of their fleet to preserve I, cash? Right. I remember that they were selling assets. Yeah, they yeah. were selling off assets. So um, the stock's just not there. And originally, when I started looking into this, I was like, okay, yeah, um, most rental car places might have stock, but I'm sure you know Philadelphia International and, and JFK and these major airports are going to have cars. And that's not the case. So even these major entry points, uh, major airports might not have a car. And so what I was, I, I was talking with my sister's boyfriend and helping him plan the trip to the Grand Canyon. And I had said to him like, Hey man, like you need to get on the car quick. And he tried and there was nothing. So he starts texting me and he was texting me like these, uh, I don't even remember the names, like the, these travel car companies that are like super budget, like really low end, horrible reviews. And (laughs) yeah, I think that's one, right? I I personally have never used anything other than enterprise and Hertz Um, in the United States. Obviously once you get to Europe, it's different, but uh, I told him about Toro and I've personally never used Toro, but I think I will. So he Toro, if you're, if you're unfamiliar with it is essentially like the Airbnb for car rentals. Mm -hmm. You rent someone's personal vehicle use it and then return it when you're done. Um, So he booked with Toro. He said it was cheaper than the prices that he was seeing, even for the budget rental cars. And that when he gets to the airport, the car is going to be parked in a spot for him. They tell you exactly where it is. I didn't ask how he gets the key, but um, he he said he just goes to where the the parking spot is, as identified in the email confirmation, and you, you go on your way. Um, and again, I should have probably looked into this. I don't know if there's like a mileage restriction and stuff like that. It all depends. I, um, right. when Amanda and I traveled to Vegas, one of our friends who was also traveling with us used Toro and rented a Tesla. Mm. We had a model S or he had a model S for a few days and we actually took that to the grand Canyon. It was really simple. It was, I mean, you can't rent a, t- a Tesla from a traditional car rental company. So it was a lot of fun to drive <clears throat> and it works really well. Um, but there are, you can search different things. Some individuals have a uh, mileage limitation. Some have unlimited. It, it really just, it's like any other car rental that you just have to choose your options. Right, right. It seems, I'm, I'm really curious about using it. I love Airbnb and I know there's controversy associated with saying that, but um, I, I'm definitely going to get to tour up. Yeah. One thing well, that I... When, when Amanda and I went to Denver a few years ago, I, I considered using Toro to get like a, not a cheap, or I should say an affordable sport car because I really wanted to drive Pikes Peak. So I was looking at like Camaros and Mustangs, mm-hmm. and w- which mm-hmm. are pretty affordable. But then, you know, you get into the Porsches, which are upwards of 90 or 120 bucks a day. But that's, yeah. still, that's still decent compared to other luxury rental cars. When I was traveling for work, I flew into Bakersfield, uh, California, which is in Southern California, like like east of LA-ish, roughly. And I got there and I had an, an upgrade at Enterprise. Um, and I told them, I showed them the upgrade and they said, okay, here, here's your option. And it was a convertible Mustang. And so I drove this convertible Mustang up the entire state of California through Yosemite, through Redwood, by myself, cruising, loved it. I actually had Florence's- Cruising uh, USA. I had Florence uh, Williams' book, The Nature Fix, on oh, like, yeah. I was driving through. And then I went into Utah and like no, I went through Nevada into Utah. Um, it was just a, one of my favorite driving experiences of my life. Like it was, it was so beautiful, but- <laughs> Well, you um, recall the- in May- 
when people were starting to travel again and they went to Hawaii and there was just a massive rental car shortage and people actually rented U-Haul vans yeah. because they were cheaper and available. Right, right. It's so, I, and I, I'm assuming it'll get ironed out. Um, but this holiday season, I think the fall and winter might be a little bit rough. You'd hope that they'd have this sorted out by spring. So just keep that in mind. Yep. Uh, and, and the last article of the day. The violin. Yeah. Now, we, we tend to hear the metaphor for the world's smallest violin when someone's whining and you want to tell them to go, you know, go cry somewhere else. This is the opposite. This is a 39 foot long <laughs> violin shaped <That's> awesome. boat <laughs> which floated down Venice's Grand Canal with a with a string band. Um, string quartet. I'm sorry. Yes. And on board. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. So and they were um, playing Vivaldi's Four Seasons. I don't, this isn't going, us talking about it really isn't going to do it justice. Like go to YouTube or find an article, oh, yeah. find a video because it's awesome. They, it's, called, they're, it's called Noah's Violin, uh, yeah. which is a reference to Noah's Ark. So I just started diving into classical music and I love, I, I, so I, I, I just, it's another weird thing that I got into. Um, I played in the background. Classical music is awesome. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's awesome. I love it. I it, it evolved. Like I like piano music and classical music. It's perfect for working, just throwing it on and getting in the zone for whatever reason. I absolutely love it. Um, it's just so soothing. And so this is a pretty, pretty cool uh, thing that they did. I really enjoyed the YouTube videos. Um, just a I saw, little fun article. Yeah. Yeah. I saw our buddy Igor post about it. <laughs> and uh Igor. Yeah, there they ended up being like a, a ton of boats who stopped and and wanted to take pictures. So yeah, check out those videos of that. Yeah, pretty cool. All right. Up this month we have Katie Quinn on cheese, wine, and bread. Awesome conversation. We mm-hmm. have Eva Westerling on Morocco. And mm-hmm. then Bob and I recap our own Morocco trip. Yeah, so so this is coming out. Let's see. So we will have We're in Morocco right now. Yeah, we're in Morocco right now. Cool. Yeah. Cool indeed. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening and tune in next week. 